Good morning, church. Oh, um, yeah, so I'm going to sing for you this morning. Been a while, but I have a, I have a, um, a story through the song. So those who are going through anything, just remember that with everything that you've been through, God has proven and has gotten you through it. And whatever your circumstances that you may be going through right now, he'll get you through that too.
Good morning, church. Our scripture reading this morning comes from Ecclesiastes 12, verses 13 and 14. Let us hear the conclusion of the whole matter. Fear God and keep his commandments, for this is is man's all. For God will bring every work into judgment, including every secret thing, whether good or evil. May God add his blessing to the reading of his word. sort all my books out here. Before I get started on my my talk, I was asked to introduce somebody. And that would be Miss Danielle. So, Miss Danielle, if you'll come on up here, please. I know you're giving me that look, but see, I get to do that now. (laughs) It was brought to my attention that some of you may not know who she is. She has been working at Bethel Junior Academy for three years alongside of me. Well, it's not been three years. It's been two years and almost a quarter. Mm -hmm. And she's a very capable teacher. And so, for those of you who do not know who she is, this is Miss Danielle Lawrence. Her husband is sitting back there with the, with the beard and, and all of that stuff. So I just thought I would introduce her to you and so that you know who your new teacher will be if you have not seen her before. Say anything? Okay. You don't have to. Is this, is this thing on? Everybody can hear me? We'll see. If I lose that, it's okay. We'll, we'll go back to this. But, I, you know, I'll try not to take a whole load of your time this morning. I really will. <laughs> I can't promise that I won't. I, I really can't. Um, but I will say that from the moment that I walked through the church door this morning and heard Brother Bob up here speaking and sharing and singing the songs and the part that he shared... Everything that I've heard this morning from the moment that I walked in has all been about actually my sermon this morning and what I'm going to share and what actually the Lord has put on my heart to share and actually what are his words and actually not mine. Very few of what you hear today will actually be my words. They will be his words. Um, And it's an interesting thing to always write a sermon and so... As the sermon title says, a climb for character, the escape from sin. Before we get involved in that, let's have prayer. Dear Father in heaven, we want to say thank you so much for today. For a beautiful Sabbath day once again. We just ask and pray that you be with me as I share what it is that you've put in my heart. And that I ask and pray that everyone be willing to take the words that are your words. To heart. We love you. We thank you. In Jesus' precious name, amen. 
My question to you this morning is, have you ever considered the climb for character? How to escape from sin? Anybody? Anybody ever actually stopped and thought about that? I hope so. Character, by definition, is the mental and moral qualities distinctive to a person. That's what a character is. If you compare our character to Christ's character, there is a massive chasm. But there is a way that God showed us how to get to that in his word and how to to breach the gulf and reach across that gulf so that our character can once again become like his character. A Christian should seek to have a Christ-like character, which would be safely above sin, safely above sin. We find in John chapter 3, 4, that sin is the practice of lawlessness, and I'll read it to you. Whoever commits sin also commits lawlessness, and sin is lawlessness. It's totally opposite of God's character. So how can our character be elevated above the sinful lawlessness of this world and be reflection of Jesus' similar character? How can our character become what Christ's character is? Is there a way? And I tell you, there is. So before I get going into this, I'm actually going to, I have a little video that I actually want to have played here, and I'll play it in a moment. But I want to give this, this can actually maybe help us see how one can escape from sin. I'm going to give a caveat, and I can walk away and tell you this. If you're afraid, I'm not trying to have you be afraid. This is something that was shown me at the beginning of, before the school year began, and I can tell you it gave me goosebumps to watch it. It's about two, two, two and a half minutes. Um, But it speaks a lot about what we're going to talk about, sort of. A snake's eyes aren't very good, but they can detect movement. So if the hatchling keeps its nerve, it may just avoid detection.
a near miraculous escape. Anybody have any heart attack yet? First time I saw that, I sat, was sitting in a group of teachers, and we sat back there, and we held our breath, and we were just, whoa, you know, because we weren't expecting that. We weren't. And the reality is here, does it remind you of anything in this life that we live and deal with on a daily basis? What about the snakes? What do the snakes maybe represent? What if I say that again? These snakes? They represent our sins. They represent the sin of the world. And the reality is, as you saw all those snakes chasing that lizard, that's what sin does to us. It chases us, the devil and his evil minions. And sin is all around us. Who was the iguana? Because that was actually an iguana. It's us in a sin-filled world. That's who we are. That's where we are. We find ourselves being chased like that. Remember, the Bible talks about the devil walks around like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. Well, those snakes wanted a meal. Did any one of them get the meal? No. Where did the iguana go for safety? To the what? To the rock. To higher ground. Okay. He climbed the rock, looked up, and strove to reach higher ground, even when wrapped up in sin. I, and did every one of you catch your breath when you, when you watch the snake, when you watch the iguana get grabbed? That's what the devil does to us. We get caught in sin at times, but as long as we're looking up and we keep our eyes on the prize, we can get through that. That's what we have to be willing and able to do. So what does Scripture tell us? about how we can climb for character out of sin. Jesus once climbed a mountain to teach people just how to climb toward a righteous character. Ellen White speaks on that, of that sermon like this. The Sermon on the Mount is heaven's benediction to the world, a voice from the throne of God. It was given to mankind to be to them the law of duty and the light of heaven. Their hope and consolation in despondency, their joy and comfort in all the vicissitudes, I think I said it right, and walks of life. Here the prince of preachers, the master teacher, utters the words that the Father gave him to speak. Christ leaves us in no doubt as to the traits of character that he will always recognize and bless. From the ambitious favorites of the world, He, Christ, turns to those whom they disown, pronouncing all blessed who receive his light and life, to the poor in spirit, the meek, the lowly, the sorrowful, the despised, the persecuted. He opens his arms of refuge, saying, Come to me, and I will give you rest. Christ can look upon the misery of this world without a shadow of sorrow for having created man. In the human heart, he sees more than sin, more than misery. In his infinite wisdom and love, he sees man's possibilities, the height to which he may obtain. He knows that even though human beings have abused their mercies and destroyed their God-given dignity, yet the Creator is to be glorified in their redemption. Throughout all time, the words that Christ spoke from the Mount of Beatitudes 
will retain their power. Every sentence is a jewel from the treasure house of truth. The principles enunciated in this discourse are for all ages and for all classes of men. With divine energy, Christ expressed his faith and hope as he pointed out class after class as blessed because of having formed righteous characters. Living the life of the life giver, through faith in him, everyone can reach the standard held up in Christ's words. So this morning I ask you to turn with me to the book of Matthew, chapter 5. And we're going to spend time, we're going to be reading to you this morning the Sermon on the Mount. These are my words, folks. These are Christ's words. And I can tell you unequivocally that if we actually are willing to take these words to heart, we might not be living the life that we live today. We would live a different life. Please remember, Jesus doesn't excuse our sin. He's willing to forgive us, but he doesn't excuse us in the way that you think. Sin to him is sin. He asks that we turn away from it. So follow along as we go through this, and then I have a few other thoughts when I'm done with this. But this is the heart of our sermon today. Blessed are the poor in spirit. Oh, let me start all over. And seeing the multitudes, he went up on a mountain. And when he was seated, his disciples came to him. Then he opened his mouth and taught them, saying, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be filled. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall obtain mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when they revile and persecute you and say all kinds of evil against you falsely for my sake. Rejoice and be exceedingly glad, for great is your reward in heaven. For so they persecuted the prophets who were before you. You are the salt of the earth. But if the salt loses its flavor, how shall it be seasoned? It is then good for nothing but to be thrown out and trampled underfoot by men. You are the light of the world. A city that is set on a hill cannot be hidden. Nor do they light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a lampstand, and it gives light to all who are in the house. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. Do not think that I came to destroy the law or the prophets. I did not come to destroy, but to fulfill. For surely I say to you, till heaven and earth pass away, one jot or one tittle will by no means pass from the law till all is fulfilled. Whoever therefore breaks one of the least of these commandments and teaches men so shall be called least in the kingdom of heaven. But whoever does and teaches them, he shall be called great in the kingdom of heaven. For I say to you that unless your righteousness exceeds the righteousness of the scribes and Pharisees, you will by no means enter the kingdom of heaven. You have heard that it was said to to those of old, you shall not murder, and whoever murders will be in danger of the judgment. But I say to you that whoever is angry with his brother without a cause shall be in danger of the judgment. 
And whoever says to his brother, Raka, shall be in danger of the council. But whoever says, you fool, shall be in danger of hellfire. Therefore, if you bring your gift to the altar and there remember that your brother has something against you, leave your gift there before the altar and go your way. First, be reconciled to your brother and then come and offer your gift. Agree with your adversary quickly while you are on the way with him, lest your adversary deliver you to the judge. The judge hand you over to the officer and you be thrown into prison. Assuredly, I say to you, you will by no means get out of there till you have paid the last penny. You have heard that it was said to those of old, you shall not commit adultery. But I say to you that whoever looks at a woman to lust for her has already committed adultery with her in his heart. And if your right eye causes you to sin, pluck it out and cast it from you. For it is more profitable for you that one of your members perish than for your whole body to be cast into hell. And if your right hand causes you to sin, cut it off. Or excuse me, cast it from you. For it is more profitable for you that one of your members perish than for your whole body to be cast into hell. Furthermore, it has been said, whoever divorces his wife, let him give her a certificate of divorce. But I say to you, that whoever divorces his wife for any reason except sexual immorality causes her to commit adultery. And whoever marries a woman who is divorced commits adultery. Again, you have heard that it was said to those of old, you shall not swear falsely, but shall perform your oath to the Lord. But I say to you, do not swear at all. Neither by heaven, for it is God's throne, nor by the earth, for it is foot's for it is his footstool, nor by Jerusalem, for it is the city of the great king. Nor shall you swear by your head, because you cannot make one hair white or black. But let your yes be yes, and your no, no. For whatever is more than these is from the evil one. I would love to comment on that, but I will hold my thoughts to myself. You have heard that it was said, an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. But I tell you not to resist an evil person. But whoever slaps you on your right cheek, turn the other to him also. If, we, if anyone wants to sue you and take away your tunic, let him have your cloak also. And whoever compels you to go one mile, go with him too. Give to him who asks you, and from him who wants to borrow from you, do not turn away. You have heard that it was said, you shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I say to you, love your enemies. Bless those who curse you. Do good to those who hate you and pray for those who spitefully use you and persecute you. That you may be sons of your Father in heaven. For he makes his sun rise on the evil and on the good and sends rain on the just and on the unjust. For if you love those who love you, what reward have you? Do not even the tax collectors do the same? And if you, and if you greet your brethren only, what do you do more than others? Do not even the tax collectors do so? Therefore you shall be perfect, just as your Father in heaven is perfect. Take heed that you do not do your charitable deeds before men to be seen by them. Otherwise you have no reward from your Father in heaven. Therefore, when you do a charitable deed, do not sound a trumpet before you as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and in the streets, that they may have glory from men. Surely I say to you, they have their reward. But when you do a charitable deed, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing, that your charitable deed may be in secret, and your Father who sees in secret himself will reward you openly. 
And when you pray, you shall not be like the hypocrites, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the corners of the streets, that they may be seen by men. Assuredly, I say to you, they have their reward. But when you pray, go into your room, and when you have shut your door, pray to your Father who is in the secret place, and your Father who sees in secret, secret will reward you openly. But when you pray, do not use vain repetitions as the heathens do, for they think that, they're, that they will be heard for their many words. Therefore do not be like them, for your Father knows the things you have need of before you ask Him. In this manner, therefore pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. For if you forgive men their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive men their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive you your trespasses. Moreover, when you fast, do not be like the hypocrites with a sad countenance, for they disfigure their faces that they may appear to men to be fasting. Or surely I say to you, they have their reward. But you, when you fast, anoint your head and wash your face, so that you do not appear to be to men to be fasting, but to your Father who is in the secret place, and your Father who sees in secret will reward you openly. Do not lay up for yourself treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroy and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. The lamp of the body is the eye. If therefore your eye is good, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eye is bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. If therefore the light that is in you is darkness, how great is that darkness? No one can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or else he will be loyal to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God, mammon. Therefore I say to you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, nor about the nor about your body, what you will put on it. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air, for they neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they? Which of you, by worrying, can add one cubic to his stature? So why do you worry about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. And yet I say to you that even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. Now if God so clothes the grass of the field which today is and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? Therefore do not worry, saying, What shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For after all these things the Gentiles or heathens seek. For your heavenly Father knows that you need all these things. But... Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added to you. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about its own things. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. Judge not that you be not judged, for with what judgment you judge, you will be judged, and with the same measure you use, it will be measured back to you. And why do you look at the speck in your brother's eye, but do not consider the plank in your own eye? 
Or how can you say to your brother, let me remove the speck out of your eye and look, a plank is in your own eye. Hypocrite. First, remove the plank from your own eye, and then you will see clearly to remove the speck out of your brother's eye. Do not give what is holy to the dogs, nor cast your pearls before swine, lest they trample them under their feet and turn and tear you in pieces. Ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and it will be opened to you. For anyone who asks receives, and he who seeks finds, and to him who knocks it will be opened. Or what man is there among you who, if his son asks for bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will give him a serpent? If you then, being evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father, who is in heaven, give good things to those who ask him? Therefore, whatever you want men to do to you, do also to them. For this is the law and the prophets. Enter by the narrow gate, for wide is the gate, and broad is the way that leads to destruction, and there are many who go in by it. Because narrow is the gate, and difficult is the way which leads to life, and there are few who find it. Beware of false prophets who come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they are ravenous wolves. You will know them by their fruits. Do men gather grapes from thorn bushes or figs from thistles? Even so, every good tree bears good fruit, but a bad tree bears bad fruit. A good tree cannot bear bad fruit, nor can a bad tree bear good fruit. Every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. Therefore, by their fruits, you will know them. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, shall enter the kingdom of heaven. But he who does the will of my Father in heaven. Many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in your name, cast out demons in your name, and done many wonders in your name? And then I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you who practice lawlessness. Therefore, whoever hears these sayings of mine and does them, I will liken him to a wise man who built his house on the rock, and the rain descended, the floods came, and the winds blew and beat on that house, and it did not fall, for it was founded on the rock. Now everyone who hears these sayings of mine and does not do them, he will be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand, and the rain descended. And the floods came, and the winds blew and beat on that house, and it fell, and great was its fall. And so it was, when Jesus had ended these sayings, that the people were astonished at his teaching. For he taught them as one having authority, and not as the scribes. There's so much contained in that, those three chapters And the spirit of prophecy lets us know that if all we ever had were just those three chapters in God's word, that would be enough for salvation. You want to know how to climb for character? Spend time with God. There's more to it than that. Christ wants us to be like him. He wants us to have his character and show it to the world. As Ellen White commented, the Lord requires perfection from his redeemed family. He calls for perfection in character building. Fathers and mothers especially need to understand the best methods of training children that they may cooperate with God. Men and women, children and youth are measured in the scales of heaven in accordance with that which they reveal in their home. So what's revealed in the home is what matters in the home life. A Christian in the home is a Christian everywhere. 
Religion brought into the home exerts an influence that cannot be measured. Cannot be. But there are times we try to measure it. So here's a story for everybody that I think illustrates all of this. It's from one of my favorite books by Morris Venden. It's called Leonard the Uptight Wolf. And this is for the kids too, but this is for all of us. If any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. 2 Corinthians 5.17 Leonard the wolf was starting to get uncomfortably uptight. His folks, who of course were also wolves, kept hanging around this flock of sheep that lived not too far away. Now wolves are expected to hang around sheep, but only for dietary reasons. What really worried Leonard was his folks' weird notion about trying to imitate sheep, about wanting, to, about wanting everyone to think they were sheep too. They even went so far as to wear sheepskins. To make matters worse, every weekend his folks made Leonard get all dressed up in his own sheepskin. Then they snarled him off to the sheepfold where one of the assistant shepherds droned on and on about how to be a better sheep. Now some real sheep happen to be members of the flock. They seemed to actually get something out of the assistant shepherd's talk. But there was also plenty of wolves there, dressed up in their own sheepskins, also pretending to be sheep and hoping to fool the sheep and even the other wolves. Not Leonard. He could spot them as soon as the meeting let out. It was easy. Most of them went home, took off their sheepskins, and lived like wolves the rest of the week. Strangely enough, Leonard's own folks wore the sheepskins all the time. At least Leonard never saw them without. Maybe they thought that if they wore the sheepskins long enough, they might someday actually turn into sheep. Leonard's mom and dad seemed desperately eager to make sure he acted just like a sheep, even though he'd rather enjoyed being a wolf and detested having to be a sheep. His folks sent him off to sheep school, even though they could have saved piles of money by sending him to the cheaper wolf schools all around. Sheep school was, was a full-on bummer. Leonard had to take sheep lessons there. Ugh! And they, had, and they had about a zillion do and don't sheep rules. He had to read the shepherd's manual and talk to the shepherd, even though Leonard had never seen the shepherd and sometimes wondered if he really did exist. He had to go out among the wolves to distribute little sheep pamphlets and to convince other wolves to become sheep. He had to go to all the sheep meetings and study the big weekend sheep course each week. Worst of all, the things he was not supposed to do were all the things that wolves loved to do. Things like running around at night with other young wolves in the neighborhood, drinking wolf shine, going out with little cute... <laughs> going out with cute little foxes, <laughs> watching Telewolf, smoking Wolfawana, or listening to their favorite rock and howl group. Sheep school was just unreal. At sheep school, just as, a, at, at sheep school, just as, as the big weekend sheepfold meeting, some of the students, maybe just a few, were real, sheep, were, were real sheep. They were always talking about this cheap shepherd, reading his manual, eating grass and smiling. They really seemed to groove on it. They made Leonard nervous. Most of his close friends were like Leonard. Wolves who just wore their sheepskins around because they had to. But when they were together by themselves, they would drop the skins and rap about being forced to live like the dumb sheep. As far as they could tell, the whole idea of being a sheep was, if it feels good, don't do it. 
If it tastes good, spit it out. If it's fun, stop it. And they were supposed to love the chief shepherd when in fact they almost hated him. This killjoy in the sky, this celestial wet blanket whose manual was hard to read and who was dead set against fun. I'd like to just bag, bag the whole thing, let it send one day, and get off this prison and have some real fun. You know, just like let it all fang out like the wolves over at the wolf school. One day, one of the sheep in Le- Leonard's class overheard Leonard and his friends t- talking this way. After the others had gone, she walked over Leonard and sat down beside him. Want to talk about it, she asked. Well, why not, Leonard thought, even though he knew that since she was a real sheep, she couldn't possibly understand how he felt. But the sheep, Wendy, listened carefully as he poured out his frustrations. Leonard, she replied when he had completely unburned himself, I know exactly how you feel. You see, until a couple of years ago, I was a wolf too. Leonard's ears pointed sharply. I grew up like you, Wendy continued, being forced to live like a sheep and hating every minute. My folks were like yours, wolves who just wore sheepskins, even though they probably were really just trying to be sheep. Finally, I couldn't take it any longer. I I felt I I just had to get away, find myself, and get my head together. So I left everything. I left the sheep school, the sheepfold, my own pen at home, everything. I ran off and joined a huge pack, doing just whatever I wanted to do. But pretty soon, I found out that doing my own thing wasn't really as much fun as I had always figured it would be. Not the same, not that some of the things I was into weren't fun, they were, but the fun would never last. It was only a half inch deep and lasted only about two minutes before it would fizzle out and I'd still be empty inside. And some of the things I'd been told were supposed to be a real blast ended up with a pretty big price tag on them. Someone told me that if I shot spider venom directly into my veins, I'd feel like the greatest wolf who ever lived. That turned out to be real wipeout. Finally, when, the, when my money ran out, my friends did too. I had tried everything. My health was almost gone. There was no new thrills left and the fun was over. There was this hollow place somewhere inside that I couldn't seem to fill. This itch that I just couldn't scratch. One night, I decided to go out and run in front of a car and end it all. But somehow, before I did it, I just happened to start flipping through the chief shepherd's manual. Right here. No one made me do it this time. It was just something I felt I wanted to do. And was I ever amazed. Inside, I expected to find a big list of all those rules that had laid out, us, laid out for us at sheep school. Instead, I found the most beautiful story I'd ever heard. It told about a, lo- a time long ago when there were no wolves at all, except for one great wolf who hated the chief shepherd. This great wolf attacked the sheep the shepherd's flock of sheep, and turned them all into wolves. From that time on, all of us have been separated from the chief shepherd. So it's no wonder we find ourselves enjoying things wolves enjoy. But the chief shepherd still loves us, and he became a lamb and came down and died for us so that that any wolf who wants to become a lamb too and have a chance to live forever in a place filled with green pastures is still waters. Well, I read and read until I couldn't stay awake anymore. Leonard. But by the time I fell asleep that night, I had found what I had been looking for all along. I had found the best friend in all the world. And to think that all the time in sheep school, I had been running away from him. I found someone who loved me instead of condemning me. 
someone who wanted to make me happier than I've ever dared to dream. After that night, I spent all the time I could trying to learn more about the chief shepherd. And the more I talked to him and read about him, the more I noticed something very strange happening. Somehow I noticed that I didn't enjoy doing the things anymore that wolves are supposed to enjoy. And I was getting really excited about the things that used to be such a drag, the things sheep do. And then one day I found out why. I discovered, Leonard, that I had become a sheep. Not just a wolf wearing a sheep's clothing. A real sheep. And Leonard, you, won't, you just can't believe how happy I am. Leonard listened to Wendy for several hours and knew that she had discovered something he desperately wanted. That evening he went home, found a quiet place where he could be alone, and pour out his heart to the chief shepherd. And before he dozed off to sleep that night, he threw away his sheepskin. He wouldn't be needing that any more. Just about done here. I actually hope you've enjoyed these stories and scriptures I've shared with you this morning. And that you have a clearer picture of the importance of true Christian character and the climb to, a, to obtain the character with the power of the Holy Spirit to assist you. Before we sing our closing song, which will just be in a moment, I'd like to leave you with a quote by Ralph Waldo Emerson that says this. Sow a thought and you reap an action. Sow an act and you reap a habit. Sow a habit and you reap a character. Sow a character and you reap a destiny. Now that's the quote. But now I'm going to read it to you in a slightly different way. And this is where my sermon ends with this little quote. I submit to you that if you sow thoughts of Jesus, we will reap Christ-like actions. If we sow Christ-like actions, we will reap the habit of being Christ-like. If we sow the habit of being Christ-like, we will reap a Christ-like character. If we sow a Christ-like character, we will reap a Christ-like destiny, which would be eternal life forever with Jesus. And that, folks, is all she wrote. Our closing song today can be found on page 319. And we will wait for Rosie to come on up here and play for us.